0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, Focus Compounding, sitting next to Jeff Gannon. Jeff, how's it going today?
1: Uh, It's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you?
0: It's going great. We hope it's going great with everybody else as well. If this is the first time you're tuning in with us, first of all, welcome. Second of all, be sure to check out all the content that we put out there on the internet. Um, Go to Focused compounding.com to get access to stock research and write-ups um, if you're interested in learning about our money management services uh, there's an invest with us tab at FocusCompounding.com, or you can reach out to me andrew at focus compounding uh, we have a fund for qualified investors and managed accounts for other individuals if you can't meet that uh, threshold uh, reach out to me and of course if you're watching on the screen right now uh, twitter is the best place to get everything that we put out which is at focused compound on twitter um, so first things first, did you see the movie House of Gucci? I did not. Oh, you didn't? No. I actually think it's a movie you would like because it was much more about like um, the family, like the business and some mm-hmm. of that side of it. Um, I don't know why I just thought of that, but uh, in today's podcast, <laughs> we are going to uh, do our free form podcast and chat about what's going on in the world and see where we end up. So first things first, something that's on everybody's minds or a lot of people's minds is everything that's going on. With Ukraine and Russia, okay, have we you talked about
1: that on the podcast ever? Right?
0: No, we have not. So Russia is, as of this recording, as of this recording, invading, not invading. Some people say it's an invasion. Some people say it's not. I think call it what it is. They're moving into Ukraine. Um, governments around the world are starting to impose sanctions towards him um, and Russia. It's a very interesting time. And uh, markets have been already pretty volatile this year but right. on you know news of this I mean we're not here we're not market commentators but uh, I don't know what where markets close but they' you know futures were getting hit oil's going crazy so I'm just kind of curious I mean is there anything about this situation that stands out to you other than you know as an American as we don't want war all that sort of stuff from an investor standpoint
1: no I was a little surprised early on that people weren't more um, convinced that it was, this was what was going to happen, um, but I don't think it has a big effect on markets and things like that. I mean, it you know it, obviously the Schiller PE of Russian stocks was already like the lowest in the world, and yeah, and probably because of concerns about things like this. Um, it affects some commodities, you know. Obviously, Ukraine and Russia are huge um, wheat producing places. And, you know, it can have effects on natural gas, oil, some metals that are used in some stuff like electric cars and things like that. Um, you know, like nickel and stuff are required. But, you know, the I, I don't think that the initial, I mean, it's too hard to predict the initial things with all of this are stuff that markets react a lot to. And it's hard to predict how they would react. I mean, some people might buy U.S. bonds and things if they're concerned about something mm-hmm. in the area that they're in. Obviously, like, it just increases risks of other stuff happening in the future when you have armies operating that close to each other and, and all that. So, But we don't know how that will develop over time right now. You know? Um, I mean, there's not been anything like this since probably um, the conflict in Yugoslavia. So we're probably talking about over 25 years or about 25 years or something. So just risks that stuff can happen is just, you know, not been the case. They're the only major wars that have happened have been in like the Middle East and places like that in the mm-hmm. last 20 years. Why were you surprised that investors weren't more? Oh, not risks? investors, just reporting on it and stuff. But oh, they're, yeah. they're just reporting that there was some question as to whether this would really happen. Um, you know, during the Olympics and stuff, mm-hmm. they kept saying, you know, we expect that they'll, Do this and showing the troop build up and stuff it was just a little surprising how much people were saying what's going on and maybe they will maybe they won't that Mm -hmm. sort of thing
0: yeah um so i wanted to pull up this chart and it really has a lot of different names okay and this person tweeted when would the market crash (laughs) or has it already Mm -hmm. crashed okay um so a lot of high flyers on here but then there are some names that you know bbby paypal square uh pen um sam that was was actually boston i literally like look at my notes right here i literally have sam (laughs) because i wanted to go over that but we actually talked pretty in depth about that in the last podcast um celsius I've looked at some of
1: these companies because people tell me to look at them. I mean, I can't tell you how many of these people have sent me to say, you have to look at this. And so I've read about it, right? Is that up? That's upstart. Um, ups, yeah. APST. Is that um, that is? And then there's tree. There's um, that's like a lender, right? Yeah. Then you got your uh, online real estate things. You got a couple of them, right? That's Redfin or something mm-hmm. right there. Yeah. Um, there's actually quite a few of those um yeah so i've looked at the there's yeah okay so i've looked at several of these and it's because people sent them to me
0: about um so like when they send you um, like um tree mm, what's the context of the email you have to take a look at this this is the future
1: no um sometimes they like something and they think that it's interesting and that we invest in financial services things and they want a reaction from me about it um you know and i give a little comment about it um let's type in upst and like quick fs
0: upstart Holdings. yeah so if we do the business description let's go annual we'll do business description operates a cloud-based artificial intelligence ai lending platform Uh, The company's platform aggregates consumer demand for loans and connects it to its network of the company's AI-enabled bank partners.
1: Uh, Yeah, so I think I read about it. I read their uh, 10K or whatever it was at the time. I think it was a 10K, but it could have been prospectus. And, um, you know, marked up some stuff and just gave my reaction as to what I thought they were doing, whether others
0: could do it you know things like that in terms of the lending so what are your thoughts on this more systemized you know approach to lending
1: Uh,
0: are we the old dogs here that like banks where the the lenders are very important part of the company and the culture and all that sort of stuff
1: i don't know uh are we the horse and buggy I don't know how much, um, the stuff that there, some of these, these are a lot of different companies, but some of them are talking about, is that different from what companies are doing? And so that's an issue, um, like, you know. For instance, like progressive, let's say there's there's a high frequency of data that they have and stuff. So some of these things that talk about how much they do with AI and data and all those things, you know, a company that's doing car insurance that has a lot of information on uh, claim stuff all the time is probably detecting some patterns and things using much the same sort of approach Um, and has been for a while, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how many of these things we, you know, like people talk to me a lot about FICO. That is a very different company now. I don't know if it's that different of a company. It started to uh, stress certain things about how it presents itself to investors. But FICO is always a predictive analytics company. Not a lot of other companies talked about predictive analytics. Maybe like um Netflix, you know, and, and Amazon and stuff said like we can predict what show to put on next yeah. that you'll watch and what in those sorts of things. But that's what that's the only thing that they do, they, they're not a credit reporting thing. So the only thing they have is the prediction stuff. They're using someone else's data to do that. And then they're applying their stuff to it. So, um, but presenting yourself in a different way may help your stock sometimes if you're seen as being focused on those sorts of things. And, uh, and so, you know, who knows, but then it worries me because then how you present yourself may be less accurate to what you're doing. And um, you may have always been doing these things. So it's a lot like ESG stuff. I read some things about some companies and I'm not really sure how much they are focused on these ESG things as a priority or how much it's just that they're devoting a large part of the annual report to that when that's not really been a change in how they approach things. Mm -hmm. And I feel the same way with technology things. I think some just put in more and more information about technology stuff that they didn't before, but
0: I'm not sure that they're doing things very differently. Got it. It's interesting when you see some of these names that have just been, you know, hit hard, right? Sam, for example, mm-hmm. or any other ones that are on this name, I pick any name. I mean, this is, you know, kind of applies to everything. So if you sell a stock and let's say you made three or four hundred percent on it, but then the stock just crashes in the near term or kind of, you know, after you sold, is there like a like was there skill there? I guess skill in trading and getting out a lot of times. Right. And this is all like, we're literally talking months here and, and years here. So it's like, it's hard to judge skill. So I'm kind of, I'm not being exactly fair because I'm saying, well, you sold out at the top and now we're judging a few months later where the stock has crashed. But these are obviously pretty significant moves, but like, how do you judge that? Cause I mean, we've met with people before where sometimes they're like, well, I you know invested in this name and I made a lot of money, but then the stock fell kind of shortly after I sold, so I don't know if that was kind of like a skill thing or if I got lucky. Yeah, I mean, I'd say you got lucky,
1: but uh, people who are doing this are traders and they may have been intending to anticipate people's reactions to things. Yeah, so it's like what type of game point. you're playing, right? Yeah, so if this is what you were trying to do, then you, and that's what you, the skill is figuring out how the crowd's gonna behave before they do and then being earlier to get out and everything, then uh, yeah, then you have skill yeah and maybe that's what some people were doing with playboy or something like that yeah that's another
0: one we could look at yeah
1: i guess all spac things are down a lot basically Mm -hmm. just across the board um regardless of
0: what business they were in yeah i was wondering if it'd be a good spot to start to peek a little bit at Mm -hmm. because i mean you did have a some i mean there were some good brands that came through Spac's and stuff like that yeah um and you know, in the market capitalization that's considered a small cap and then and even smaller.
1: Yeah. However, some of these are. I'm be honest about it; they're not cheap after they've dropped mm-hmm. by these amounts. Um,
0: like, do we have quarterly stuff for Playboy? Yeah, I was looking at theirs last night at like eleven o'clock in bed. Um, and they've also issued a ton of shares. Okay, so what was their revenue most relief. recent quarter? since they uh, went public. Um, 26, 33, uh, sorry, 58 million. 58 million. So let's say say they're at 240 million. Let's give them that
1: because they'll probably grow a little, whatever. So it's 250, let's say. Um, So they're at a run rate, that'd be 250 million revenue. What's their market cap? 650
0: million or something. Yeah. Market cap 650 million, EV 808 million.
1: So two and a half times sales or something like that. Mm. I mean, two and a half times sales is not a low price, really. Um, we don't know what their margins will look like and everything, but for a business that has gross profit of 50% or something, um, it I mean, if it turns out the business is good and it's going to grow and all that, that all have turned out to be a cheap price. If not, it will not have been a cheap price. It's not on the face of it a very cheap price. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a fairly normal price. So it took falling... When did this one fall? Sixty percent something? How much did Playboy come down from its highs there? Well, don't you have that list there?
0: Uh yeah, but I just want to look at a chart. (laughs) On the chart itself. Seventy five percent.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So down seventy five percent to a price that is, you know, it's a
0: so it looks like peak was around fifty dollars a share. Okay. But you got to that peak all in like Couple of days, yeah. I mean, I'm exaggerating a couple little months, bit. Yeah. A couple, mm, five uh, minutes.
1: I mean, if you look, it's at it's really at that point there that you go up by a lot. I mean, if we think about where we are now, um, all the return above the level that they're talking about happened in the matter of what, mm. like less than a year. Oh no, the increase over all that time is less than a year. Yeah, but the speed of the increase really happens in a, it's literally like a month. hmm Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I read about it. I read their presentational stuff, so, because I had some interest in it because I was wondering what they were doing and, um, I think I mentioned it. I thought that there, there was some evidence that they are, have popularity in Asia mm-hmm. and some evidence of popularity with, um, like, what did they call them, Gen Z? Yeah, and so that interested me because historically they hadn't been, this brand as a legacy brand hadn't been, and it doesn't have much, um, you know, people don't have a lot of interest in it from what it was traditionally in, you know? And I think we talked about that series that they it was about the- uh, Amazon QF series? The, yeah. That's that great,
0: thing. great show, docu-series. So we talked about Vector Group on the last Snap Judgments. Mm-hmm. Uh, podcast that we did and after that podcast I actually was just kind of bopping around and I saw that they were spinning off and they have completed this spinoff as of the end of December their real estate brokerage business Mm -hmm. and I thought it was very interesting because here you have a business that is in cigarettes and tobacco And they spun off i mean because really in the podcast you were talking about how it was always kind of odd that they had like a real estate arm and they also had a cigarette Mm -hmm. arm uh and they spun off you know the real estate division so really you have sort of the the two different shareholders vector pays a dividend the new company doug uh, as the ticker is not going to pay a dividend two completely different industries so i was thinking i was like huh that's a kind of a situation that i think joel greenblatt would you know be interested in learning a little bit more about because you could get just sort of that selling right and it's it's spun off at the end of the year, right around I think like what eleven or twelve bucks or something like that. Okay. And it's trading today at six dollars and ninety four cents. So it has gotten completely punished. Um, the CEO of Vector went over to the new company. Although oh, I did say that there's, too, right? yeah, that there's yeah that there's they're going to be CEO of both. both so it's really products. like it was just a, a spinoff. off. And uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. And what's the market cap on it? Like six hundred million. uh it's not pulling through quick fs yet but really like when i was thinking about it, i was like is this something jeff would be interested in i was like well probably not the brokerage business it's in general volume, right yeah it looks like you do yeah mm-hmm. brokerage business in general uh, i don't know even though they're you know they have a good brand and been around for a while high-end real estate but uh at the right price i mean if something conti- continues to get smoked and they also spent off with 200 million in cash no debt mm-hmm. So it's like an EV of what? Like 400-ish million right now if the EVs or if that market cap's uh, close to 600 million. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I I mean,
1: what you said is true about the dynamics that could lead to selling and it has happened um, with a spinoff. It's not an area I know a lot about. I don't know about management here. I don't know about being the CEO of two different companies like that. I also don't know how real the spinoff is. Like you said, if they're, putting cash with this business, and all the debt is staying with Vector and all that from like a creditor perspective and stuff, whether this is questionable to people, so. As in they could run into issues with that? Yeah, if you're operating the business much like you were before, you have some of the same people involved in managing it that were managing it before. It had, you put the cash with one business and kept all the debt at the other business, and you spun it off, yeah. As long as they don't run into any financial problems, it won't turn, that that the remaining cigarette company doesn't run into any financial problems, it won't turn out to be an issue. But obviously it's, if you're a creditor or something, it's alarming.
0: Mm -hmm. It seems like they uh, could have spun it off too, at the, you know, close close to the top. How
1: many spinoffs have we seen recently where they didn't load it up with debt? Yeah, I mean, none. (laughs) How many have we seen where they have cash and not debt? Yeah, none. So the, the spin-off, isn't it possible that the actual spin-off here is of the remaining company? Meaning what? They want to separate yeah. the broker. Okay. And doesn't it seem like management spends as much
0: time or more with the brokerage stuff? And That was your interpretation. That was
1: my interpretation from before the spin-off, from long before the spin-off happened. Uh-huh. I don't know if that's true, but I haven't heard a lot of talk about cigarettes and I haven't heard a lot of talk about the
0: real uh, New York real estate. In uh-huh. new york let's see if we could find uh for some reason going to scc.gov is not working for me but maybe it's not pulling up so i just mean i don't know which side is the
1: how much did vector drop by when they spun it off um if you,
0: you can go to vectors um chart yeah what was like in the 20s i think maybe now it's like we looked at like around 11. yeah oh just kidding. So it'd been end of 2021. So yeah, uh, 30 dollars a share to 11 dollars. Yeah, that color me surprised. So
1: I mean, did you create a lot of value by doing that? It I mean, spends off with any value, mm-hmm. and this stock doesn't drop. Then you've created value out of nothing. Yeah. If there's mm-hmm. anything left over uh, for Doug as a stock. Then the combination of the two has more value. I mean, we have to do it where you compare. We, you know, we could do the calculation where you compare the two and what it ends up with out of them. Um, but it seems to um, be possible that that yeah, that it adds up to more value there. Because why doesn't it? Why? How big is Vector um, their market
0: cap now? Let's see. Would it be under 1.7 billion. Okay.
1: So you should have dropped more than 10% just based on, quite a bit more than 10%, just based on that you distributed cash to another entity that you no longer own. Yeah, and the market cap of do they, they don't have the information yet. We could pull
0: it Yeah. Um, how many shares do they say they have? We just need this number of shares. So an amount to be registered, 11.6 million
1: okay so let's say that's it and then so that's what it's a seven dollar stock now so that's 77 million Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know the details on that because that doesn't seem like it could be right so that must have been it maybe that's a placeholder registration or something
0: your interpretation of it 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 is weird though like that there's still going to be the CEO of vector and and the CEO of Doug so it's like why did they do it the separation
1: Yeah, well, maybe for the reason that seems to be what happened, which is that the market would place a higher value on the two if separated. Mm. Yeah. I just have the issue, though, is that you have a lot of debt at Vector. So I don't know about spinning anything off of it without taking the debt and putting it on that. Like, say AT&T did a spinoff of something. Say Mm -hmm. they spun off Warner, right, into Discovery, and they didn't put any debt on it, and they gave it some cash how would AT&T's bondholders feel about that given how much debt Mm AT&T has? Um, So that's the only issue that I would see with that. Um, And then just the issue that I don't know if I'd be as interested in that business. So I just think in terms of the two things there, um, maybe the spinoff in a sense is the thing that's left over. That happens sometimes, you know, that the purpose of the spinoff is to have the... um, to separate the spun off company from the remaining company because the actual enterprise value vector is very large um because it has a lot of debt so you may be able to get a lot of like market value from it by separating it out which is maybe what we see here
0: like it might not have been getting much credit for it mm-hmm. you know i mean that, i mean and when you talked about it as well it does seem weird that uh real estate companies attached to a Cigarette company, right? But you haven't resolved that if you haven't changed the management.
1: You still have management of both things. Isn't it odd that you'd have management, similar management between a cigarette company and a um, brokerage company, and that the two are both public companies? Yeah. Hmm. Right. So, like, I don't know. I mean, part of the thing with spinoff sometimes is to give different management. And to have management become the top management of public company and stuff and you're not really doing that here so i don't know what what the
0: reasons for it all are Hmm. let's see what are some interesting things that you've come across recently or stuff that you've been thinking about anything in particular
1: Mm, no
0: just continuing to chug on and look at a bunch of different companies i
1: mean everything's dropped i mean some of the things we saw have dropped a lot more that we were just talking about from last year. But this year, a lot of stuff has all dropped together for no reason. It's, so there's so I mean, the problem is there isn't a lot of stuff that's dropped by a lot more than other things have. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's the it's not a good kind of volatility for us. It doesn't help. The market may be volatile. You could decide if you want to get in or out of the market, but we could chart so many different things that are in completely different areas and they've dropped at the same rate. You know so like the headlines might be oh this is because of fears of inflation and the fed raising rates right yeah well if it was though then why would alico be down by the same amount as say a bank which is down by the same amount as an energy thing and in a lot of cases they all are down by
0: those same amounts is it just like that trickle down effect where if they're selling off their other portfolio they're going to sell some of a company like alico that is in the orange grove business and has land it would actually benefit from inflation right but it just kind of gets grouped into that i mean because it's not like alico i don't believe trades on any major exchange or is, is in any index or anything like that it trades on exchange but yeah um so
1: uh how big is it in terms of its market cap 245 million. Okay, yeah. So on the Nasdaq. I mean even Arc technically is on the Nasdaq. I mm-hmm. mean there's lots of stocks that are tiny on the Nasdaq. Um yeah, so I mean I think I don't know exactly what it was down this year, but I think it was down pretty similar to the market at one point. Um and uh, we mentioned uh you know and it's a company that mostly has um uh ranch land and yeah, look at that. Oh, you could
0: just click it. Okay, year to date. Year to date. So the market's down 9.7 and Alec goes down
1: 12.2. And But just, you know, there's little, there's not a lot of difference day to day. I mean, they're moving at the same mm-hmm. time. Sure. Yeah. So why is that? If it is about interest rates and things, it doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, if it's about the economy, let's say it's about the economy. Is orange juice um, consumption going to change dramatically if there's a recession, if there's a boom? Consumption has nothing to do with economic activity. So it's not that, um, inflation. Well, the S and P might suffer from inflation in some of the things, but Alco would benefit or they might, they might both suffer. I don't know. I don't know how that would happen. Um, Alco is mostly long-term fixed debt. So it doesn't have a short term funding need for that. In fact, it has excess assets that can be sold off. Whereas S and P 500 funds itself with more short term debt. So. I don't know. I think the answer is just that the same people who are in those things take money out of stuff and put money in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we don't talk about like the, whatever, the, um, the market and sentiment and all that, but my guess is it just has to do with people doing certain things, different kinds of people. So probably smaller investors have been putting money in and professionals have been taking money out. It's probably what's been happening uh, of the stock market. You know, and so that's why you're seeing certain moves that are kind of large at times, you know. Um, Because the explanation is, right, that it has to do with expectations about short-term rates, right? But if you look at what's up and down, it it doesn't make as much sense. That makes a lot more sense with what happened last year. Much more sense. When we talked about the end of last year and what stocks were up and what stocks were down, that was much more consistent with um, Um, people trying to predict what would happen with interest rates in the future. This year, the moves aren't consistent with that. So you're referring to like financials? Mm -hmm. So financials and energy did well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, And some other things like tech companies with no earnings did badly. Mm -hmm. Right. But financials and energy haven't done that well. So, I mean, they've actually done quite poorly versus the commodity pricing of their commodity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, um, they in the first two months of this year.
0: Yeah, they had like, I think one week. It's like the first week of, you know, quote unquote outperformance and doing well, and then it's just basically been down. Right, but
1: that could be because of, um, you know, anticipation, you could say. So that the market, so in stocks, people were anticipating what stocks would benefit from rising rates, and that somehow that happened faster than when the market, the bond market, and the market for Fed funds, futures and stuff like that Adjusted to that fact, it's hard to believe that, pe- but it could be true. So, people investing in, um, say, energy and financials and stuff are were better able to see what was going to happen than people who are trying to predict what the Fed was going to do and what the bond market was going to do because they seem to have predicted it several months ahead of time, right? Mm-hmm. Like those things responded in the last half of last year, and then the changes in the actual rates
0: happened in the first two months of this year. Maybe. Yeah, the weird thing is, I feel like the actual, the sentiment has changed, but the actual information has largely been the same since the end of Q4. I mean, I guess the feds changed their tone towards inflation not being- And interest
1: rates have changed a lot because of that.
0: Yeah, the feds changed their tone, like we should retire the word transitory. But Mm -hmm. I feel like everyone involved with markets and following a bunch of companies, didn't seem like it would be like that Mm -hmm. but the total sentiment has yeah everyone's like accepted the fact that rates are rising you see that with rates you see that with mortgage rates yeah we did a podcast at the end of
1: 2021 where I think we said like some places are predicting three or four rate increases. I mean now they're all at five to nine so what for consensus of things now are probably around a, a total of seven something like that. So, But what's interesting about that is, in a sense, what we were just talking about, like the uh, financial stuff, the way those stocks performed last year kind of anticipated that, right? But that doesn't make a ton of sense because then you'd be saying, well, but the bond market wasn't able to anticipate that. Mm -hmm. And people whose job is to watch the Fed and give notes to clients on what to do and stuff, they couldn't anticipate it. They were slow to do it. Maybe. But you know, so in other words, that that stuff has already happened with financials and all that. I just think that um, I see a lot of stocks that seem to be moving a lot together that don't wouldn't behave the same way due to interest rates um, and inflation and and uh, the strength of the economy is the other thing. So, like uh, an obvious concern now for people is recession, right? So, if you think that short term rates will rise enough that they'll have to buy because the Fed raises them uh that they'll go above long-term rates at some point and that will cause a recession which is probably a realistic uh concern that some people have about 2023 or 2024 there'll be a recession then um okay that might change your mind about certain stocks but I'm not seeing that because I just mentioned like orange juice stuff mm-hmm. I mean when we mention FRP um, holdings yeah uh you know not terribly economically sensitive things, in the sense that, like, um, there's some sensitivity to, like, um. So, how is it done? Is it done better lately? It's right, done, two point seven percent. So it, you see that it's done quite differently in the last. How long is that? um i don't know what that is but they basically were the same as of um midway through february yeah it's mm-hmm. just in the last week or something that had changed so um yeah i mean if you just try to find what stocks do you think are should be the most insulated from that stuff mm-hmm. i'm not seeing a lot of differences and so that could be positive in that you could find those stocks that have also dropped in line with the market but the issue with that is um that as much as people are saying, at least of the kinds of stocks that we look at, as much as people are saying um, that the, uh, there's a lot of volatility and stuff. Mm-hmm. What I've seen this year so far is a lot of stocks down by similar amounts. There's just like a lot of stocks down, right? Yeah. But volatility would be better if there's a lot of stocks up, there's a lot of stocks yeah. down. Some stocks are down 10%, others are down 30. Mm-hmm. We saw more of that last year. Not so much in the stocks that we invest in, because they weren't down at the same uh, amount as these things that didn't have a lot of earnings and stuff. But some of the technology stuff was down a lot last year.
0: So because of that, everything, there's kind of going down the same way. I mean, how are you thinking about that? It's not that helpful. No, the market was a lot more overpriced than
1: ten percent, and if it all goes down together by only that amount, doesn't really help you. Mm-hmm. And the whole rationale for like, well, these v- valuations are justified by the interest rates. I mean, I don't think that the change in stock prices is like been greater than would be suggested by the change
0: in interest rates, assuming they only raise what like what you were saying what people think four five six right seven but times. but let's
1: say hypothetically as of the beginning of this year you were equally excited at, we're not but you're equally excited about owning a 10-year bond or the s&p 500. okay well now they're both down a bunch mm-hmm. which one's down more they're not i but i'd have to check but a lot of bonds are down by amounts that are very similar to the s&p 500 so their yields are up yes Mm -hmm. but like you're getting about as much of a discount in them from the beginning of the year as you are now so it's hard to say well stocks are more attractive compared to what houses and used cars have gone up yeah Um, (laughs) you know so maybe stocks are more attractive compared to that stocks are more attractive compared to cash at the moment cash doesn't pay interest but you expect it to pay interest shortly so are you going to own stocks for a few months while you wait to get paid more yeah. you know mm-hmm. so that's the other issue like you know say however many rate increases there will be then presumably you'll be able to make more money on cash that's um sitting idle and then it's just a question of how much that changes how you think if one percent is enough for you then you know that might adjust your thinking so that the stock market being down a bunch isn't a big issue mm-hmm. um so it doesn't necessarily make it a lot more attractive I don't think that it's more attractively priced versus alternatives now than at the beginning of the year. And the problem is because it's not certain stocks aren't down a lot more, certain sectors and things aren't down a lot more than others, then there's not a lot for us to do. Um, At other times, there have been, and then we've mentioned it. Um, You know, a while back, we talked about financials and i think we talked a little bit about like energy like fossil fuel those are the only things that i saw that looked reasonable that looked like cheap um and if anything those have like it depends on what time frame we're picking but if we're talking about over a year or something they've somewhat closed that gap Mm -hmm. like they've done a bit better than the market generally and so while they might still be more attractive than the market than not there's less divergence between things and the prices that we're getting there's been lots of declines in things we would never buy anyway that yeah, doesn't help sure. me yeah <laughs> it doesn't absolutely. help
0: me if Peloton goes to zero yeah, because I'm yeah. not buying at any point between now and zero uh, is this when Buffett would focus on workouts and special situations yeah so obviously that's something that you could do I mean you can buy Activision
1: yeah yeah I mean you could short the S&P 500 and put the proceeds into Activision if you want to, if you're concerned that you have too much in the market generally. Um, You know, you could do all those sorts of things, which are the kinds of things that like Ben Graham, when he was um, doing hedges and things like that, would do that kind of stuff. How do I outperform in a flat market? Um, You can invest in things like arbitrage, stuff like that. So that's one, Uh, you know, there are some, issues with that we've talked about clark street value that blog that's a good blog to read yeah Uh, deals do like the microsoft activation was totally different but um deals do tend to fall apart if credit conditions tighten the market falls Mm -hmm. things like that and so all you have a much higher proportion of your deals fall apart so doing arbitrage stuff is not uh, as isolated each event as not as independent of the others as you might think Now, I think specifically the Activision one's a little different. It's a very reasonably priced deal for the acquirer for something that size compared to other things in the market. They probably want to do it. There's antitrust concern and things like that. So it's more deal-specific things of antitrust issues, of further scandal and stuff like that, of all that kind of stuff. More so than Microsoft, if it wants to do the deal, could do the deal without there being any credit available in the economy. Mm -hmm. They could do the deal in 2000 eight when Lehman's falling mm-hmm, apart and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's not the issue. A lot of other deals it is. So like most, you know, cause a huge amount of these are like private equity type things and whatever. And if, you know, there's problems, then that will happen all at the same time. So it's, you're not as insulated as you think you would be. And like I said, unless you're shorting something else or doing something else that generally tries to take out the market risk aspect of it, then you're still hard to outperform. Um, and there's different ways that you can do stuff that combines yeah you, you try to find things that can make money even um if the market
0: doesn't do well obviously. sure yeah. yeah do you lower your standards when you look at spin-offs like your standards from like a business quality standpoint is it more about price <laughs> i try not to but i think that that uh joker greenblatt had a lot of success mm-hmm. doing that yeah because i've looked at different spin-offs and i'm like we just would never buy this yeah the
1: only two From
0: like a quality the only two like. we talked about that would happen this year
1: i believe maybe i'm forgetting one is swedish matches spinning off a cigar business machine made cigar business allegedly and they've said very little about it but they said 22 second half 22 2022, 2022 at the earliest so that might not even mean that and uh, warner discovery mm-hmm. Those are the only ones as businesses. And Warren Discovery is going to be carrying a lot of debt. And Swedish Match said it plans to put a lot of debt on that business. But those are, um, whether we would like the price, and I'm not sure we would in those cases, uh, We there's businesses inside of those things being spun off that we would like. And those are the right kind of industries and stuff. So mm. those are the only ones I can think of, scheduled for this year, that we would be interested in probably. Um, there were spinoffs not that long ago that interested me as the business quality, the price didn't interest me. Mm-hmm. Those were um, the mo- the main one of that was uh, Otis,
0: the elevator company. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was all right with Carrier. I'm just curious because you're so big on getting as much financial history as possible. Yeah and the stability of the margins and having mm-hmm. proof of this, which shows proof of the business, which shows proof of the customer. And you could right. learn a lot about the business from that. When you read a prospectus that has three or four years, it's like, how do you get comfortable with that level of financial data you're receiving to be like, yeah, this, this is a good business. Cause at, at, a, at a minimum, mm-hmm. We like, I mean, you said in the last podcast, a three-year rolling average of free cash flow, stuff like yeah. that, right? So it's like, how do you do that with spinoffs? Because you can't do that unless right. they're public before no, or whatever. I mean, I have
1: a pretty good idea by reading the perspectives, like I was reading the the discovery one, that, so that's Warner. Um, what like bloggers will say it should be valued at, right? Because it, they do like, here's the adjusted EBITDA that we think we have. Here's what we think we're going to have in the future. Here are our projections. You take that, you find the comparables that are publicly traded, you put a multiple on it. And so that's how you decide whether it's attractive or not as a mm. on a price basis. But figuring out whether all of the businesses in Warner and Discovery are as attractive as the ones you're comparing it to,
0: yeah, that's harder. yeah Because putting a, a multiple on, that's easy work. Right? I mean, like, being, just slapping a multiple on, like, a, math. I mean, that's Excel work. I'm talking about, like, all the work that goes into, you know, the past history and understanding the business and stuff like that. Yeah, they'll
1: use D- Disney as a peer, mm-hmm. you know. And parts of the business are peer, parts No, a peer, but parts company
0: like a Warner that's been around forever. I mean, there's so much information where you could... Probably learn a lot about the business, the main players. Oh, we know other management. Share. I mean, yeah, market share, yeah, movie, no. everything. I mean, that's like a business that there's just so much information. But, but the cable, other companies, cable
1: channels, the like what they call their linear TV thing, not as much. I don't have good data. I mean, I read the thing. I don't have good data on um, their cable channels. So, like, you can have a pretty good idea of what's happening with HBO Max, with Warner as a movie studio. Okay, things like that. We have all the information on Discovery. Uh, I don't think we have a lot of good detail on how the cable channels inside of um, Warner uh, have done, and that's inside AT and so it's very hidden. And we have a little projection thing and stuff. And it's you know kind of interesting what they say, but it' not good. I mean, from what you can tell, but it's hard unless we take it and compare it to other companies in the same industry and everything. Um, So, you know, uh, I think it's, with very big spinoffs, I think it's also hard. So those are tough. Much smaller is easier. It's easier just because you always get more information on smaller companies. The big companies, uh, it's harder to get the information Mm -hmm. on big companies because so much of it is hidden by different segments of stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's if a smaller company has like two or three revenue lines, they're gonna list the most important you know, KPIs and stuff like and that. and It's easier they, to find that out just by the nature of the together. size. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, we talked about that with tech things. The the big, like the fang type things. You know, Netflix, we know what their business is. Some of the others, like Google. <laughs> You've always talked about Apple being tough. Apple stuff. Google's very tough. Mm-hmm. Amazon, at least, is now admitting that they have advertising and, you know. Yeah, they broke that out. I'm, I'm always impressed by those because I'm kind of impressed that the SEC and stuff hasn't said that, you know, selling what you sell in your retail business is an online thing and like advertising and some of the other things they have are not remotely similar businesses and you have to break them out Mm -hmm. um you know i would like it broken out more and i think they we've probably as investors and regulators and stuff have been too lenient on giant companies putting them all together which i think is caused by the idea that everyone just cares about the overall number for the company yeah and so not, you know, saying EBITDA is EBITDA from wherever we're getting it from, you know? Um, I mean, oh, we love segment information. Well, segment information from Disney's most recent quarter was very interesting. Everyone's excited about subscriber things and stuff. You see how much parks made, uh, the parks, they call it parks and experiences and stuff, but you can see how much it made and how much domestic parks made. You can see how much streaming lost, you know, Disney Plus. So, you know, if you value the individual parts. But that's what the
0: multiples are streaming well like where netflix trades at on a multiple basis right but apply the, that to disney
1: right but that's interesting
0: uh to think about that that's what people think so but how do you
1: so what is a disney plus subscriber worth right well, yeah i mean it it's i think uh yeah i i think I mean Disney has a very large part of their business which is totally different from the parks business is totally different from the businesses of the other companies that they're compared to and yeah I'm not sure that other that analysts and and people reporting on and stuff give enough attention to that fact things disguised as part of the overall business um but it's very very different and it earns a lot of money um so it's a very big part of it and it is not even remotely in the same industry as these other companies that we're comparing to doing streaming things and stuff um and i don't know how much of the stock response like is more to the streaming numbers Mm -hmm. as opposed to stuff for the the parks thing and stuff like that but you'll see it as a result in this year in terms of their earnings versus some other companies because this year will probably be um the best ever for leisure stuff is my guess, Mm -hmm. not for business travel, but leisure travel things like that overall will be the best, you know, um, Disney's not getting a lot of foreign right now cause I was there and I saw the parks and there's very few foreigners there. And usually there's a lot. So it's demand domestically is obviously the highest ever by far. But, um, that's making up for the fact that there's not as much travel with foreign and stuff mm-hmm. um but that'll come in eventually the forever company disney well we have to look at the price and look at all the businesses yeah,
0: like a, a quick FOS.
1: because um there's you know there's a lot of tv stuff that isn't tv and, and streaming stuff that you know it doesn't make money right now um, it's either in decline or it's growing, but not making money, but they're losing money on it. And there's a lot of having to be invested from that. So we'll see how it does over time. But like, you know, okay, so the parks are making a lot of money, but a lot of the money from the parks has to be taken and put back into doing Disney Plus, you know, mm-hmm. with the idea that that will be successful at some point. And if you look at Netflix, right? So, you know, it's, I mean, um, let's see how much they what yeah. do you think is like i mean that's not that's not so <laughs> when you look at it like when i'm comparing netflix to a part the parks are for disney and stuff getting your business to the size and profitability of netflix as it exists now mm-hmm. that's not that impressive compared to like the parks and stuff like go netflix in 2021 made six billion in uh, operating profit mm-hmm So it's got to be pricing in a lot more of what
0: happens down the road. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure the value Yeah, that's true. I mean, if I mean they fell like what, twenty or thirty percent after an earnings release saying that growth is slowing. Yeah, so I guess
1: all I I mean is that during twenty twenty one, there's no reason to believe that Netflix will benefit from uh a lot of leisure travel and things like that yeah but disney Mm -hmm. will yeah so there'll be more of even though they're seen as comparables and stuff there will be more of a divergence between those whereas people were doing like hbo max disney netflix those things all together as streaming things um we'll see but i think that there's there'll be more divergence in terms of their financial results this year Mm -hmm. than in past years so
0: cool well i want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with The both of us here today on the Focused Compounding podcast. If this is the first time you're tuning in with us, uh, be sure to check out all the content we put on the internet. Follow me on Twitter at Focused Compound. Um, And if you're interested in learning more about our money management services, reach out to me, Andrew at FocusedCompounding.com. We have a fund for qualified investors and managed accounts for everyone else. Thank you so much for all the support, and we will see you in the next podcast.